Welcome to Drunk Monkeys Twin Peaks Logcasting. My name is Colleen Carney Hefner. I am the editor in chief of Drunk Monkeys. Uh, I'm Chris Pruitt. I'm the managing editor at Drunk Monkeys. And oh, I'm, I'm Matt Guerrero. <laughs> Matt. Who <are> you be? <laughs> Matt I'm the Matt. Uh, founder of Drunk Monkeys and the producer of this podcast. And uh, today we have a special guest with us. Our Drunk Monkeys favorite, Sarah Nichols, is joining us. Um, I'm going to read a quick thing. Sarah Nichols is the author of eight chapbooks of poetry and also appears in the Twin Peaks Poetry Anthology, These Poems Are Not What They Seem. She's been watching the show for the past 30 years. And we'll link to that anthology on our socials at TP Logcast on Twitter. Uh, Sarah? Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, like all these years of, of all these years of watching this show are finally paying off with this. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here with us. This is so definitely the pinnacle of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, sorry, Seth. <laughs> I was so excited that you wanted to be on this. I was like looking forward to it forever. So I'm really, really psyched that you're here. So today we're going to be discussing season one, episode seven, realization time, or as I called it on my notes, realization time buckos. And uh, let's just get right into it. Whoa, <laughs> blistering hot take there. Yeah. Right the <laughs> um, how do we want to start? It like really opens on it opens on that nice shot of the moon, and then it immediately cuts to this moment where like Cooper and Audrey are both directly looking at the camera and going this is an awkward romantic angle that we've written ourselves into and we don't really know how to handle it. So we're gonna just state out loud what's going on here and why we're not going to continue this subplot. <laughs> or something, Audrey, it's like very weird. <laughs> Audrey, as an 18 year old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's seriously. <laughs> yeah, it, basically we jumped right into what was left, how we left uh, episode six. Yeah. And she's just in his bed like, I need you so much. And he's like, you need a good friend is what you need. That's um, also what I need. And <laughs> we need none friends. of this hanky panky. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I, I want Sarah to know she can jump in and interrupt this. Yeah, yeah, please. She did There's listen no to the episode. The yeah. So <laughs> jump right in. I did listen to the, I did watch the episode and yeah, like, it's just so, I had like the biggest crush on Cooper when I was first watching this. I was like 16 when it premiered. And so I was just like, oh my God, that is just so hot. He's so hot. <laughs> That's actually good timed perspective there. And I was just like, I'm jealous of her. <laughs> but he's shooting her down. You shouldn't I be jealous of her. her. He's so noble. In like a yeah. responsible manly way he should yeah. he's just like here let's get some milkshakes and some fries and we'll just you know have this bullshit session all night yeah we just need to be friends we, i'm not looking for anything we, we <laughs> talked about this more extensively in the previous episode because there was more of a tease like maybe there is something that's going to happen between them on the prior episode and where it came off significantly hebier then than it does in this episode not that it isn't hebe but <laughs> as you say he sort of they, they place him in this more noble position whereas in the prior episode he was like how old are you and she was like 18 he's like i'll see you later <laughs> it was like oh no <laughs> like, i gotta go now yeah 
I said he wants her and is strong in denying his desires. And then I wrote, I hate this so much. I, I wrote, <laughs> oh man, I hate this. In my I'm not a, huge, not a huge Audrey fan or stan, which is sad because this is an Audrey heavy episode. So, um, I mean, that's pretty much that scene. Um, then we move on. Uh, I will say before we leave that scene, Coop says in, in this scene, Audrey asks, do you have any secrets? And he says, no, which is the biggest load of shit ever <laughs> and it's like basically the, base, the entire basis of like the back half of the second season is that Coop has like a mystery drawer of secrets in his past yeah it's like everything just kind of heaves up from his past yeah. In yeah. yeah um okay so we're gonna move on um we did forget to mention at the beginning because we're super unprofessional that we do keep it really square light so uh we won't go too much into uh, the second season stuff. So even though we're on the cusp, we're on the cusp of season six, second, uh, season two. Uh, we're gonna move on to, we're at the shower station and Lucy is mad at Andy. No. I wrote, oh, uh, no, So Andy mad that she will, she will only call him Officer Brennan. And he's like, don't call me that, please. And it's very silly. Good, good Andy impersonation. <laughs> Good. Um, Why are you like this? <laughs> Why are you being this way? He's like the Eeyore. Yes. He <laughs> Why are you being this If way? Eeyore was also a cop, which is like a horrible <laughs> realization to make. God, no. Um, uh, then, you know, he leaves and she gets a mysterious phone call that she seems a little bummed out about. From a doctor. From a doctor, yep. Which um, which proves that there actually is more than one doctor in Twin Peaks, which is about to conflict <laughs> with a piece of conversation I'm going to bring up in like two minutes here. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> There's not much really happening here. Lucy's mad at Andy. She gets a doctor call. Like, what is this? We'll figure it out. We'll get there eventually. There's Slaves not much. Groundwork. There's not but, much to be said, but oh, go ahead. And Coop walks in with that fucking flute that he whittled in the first couple of episodes. <laughs> it never goes away. No, no. He walks into his room and he's like, he, he, you know, he blows on it. Like, I hear him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Coop's near because I can hear his whistling of right. his flute, his pocket flute. Um, uh, yeah, there's not much there, but then we get into some stuff, so... Uh, we go, you know, into one of the back rooms where Doc Hayward is there. So, yes, exactly. There's more than one Doc because what other doctor's calling Lucy? Who knows? Um, oh. Well, and what I really love about it is I truly do not understand why he's there for this scene. No. Because it's like they have him reading like a, like a bird watching guide to try to figure out what kind of minor bird that they have or something. And like it's almost as though, well, we have one doctor in town, and he's the only guy who can read, so we had to bring him down to the <laughs> station to read the bird watching guide to figure the out what the bird is. The only person who went to college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vets and doctors are interchangeable in Twin Right, except that, there was a, except that there was an actual vet's office they went to a Thank couple you. of episodes ago. That's what I was just going to say. Why would didn't they just get the vet? So like, weird. did he get killed in that weird like scene at the hotel? Like, I don't know. It's just but, like 
when he was wandering around with them in the forest in the prior episode. It's That's like what they I'm just decide say. that they want Doc Hayward in all these scenes so that he's just there. It doesn't make any sense. Who cares? He's not quite important enough to be a cop, and he's not quite important enough to be a bookhouse boy, but he is important enough to do all the heavy and, and to be just sort with the burn of shit hanging around and reading so that our other characters don't like strain their minds trying to do that. I know. It's like you have a just. You have no patience to see or anything like that during your day. No one is sick during yeah. this. <laughs> like he pretty treats everybody in the town, but he's also got an empty enough plate that he can, yeah, sure, I'll help you identify the bird. And go on like cabin adventures in the woods. <laughs> yeah, and um, the thing, like, I only noticed this for the first time last night, was like Cooper says, I don't like birds. He yeah. tried to get, he tries to get Cooper to feed it. Yeah, that's weird. I wrote this down too. I wrote it um, down too. He's he's talking about the birds and like the mimicry and this and that. And he's like, Yeah, do you want to feed the bird? And he's like, No, I don't like them. Which is like that's like a super like an Irish superstition where like birds are really, really bad luck. I think it's probably other cultures as well. But in Ireland, if you put like a something with a bird in your house, like it's just a bad it's like the same as breaking a mirror. But um I did not know that. I always remember if a bird comes into your house, it means somebody's going to die soon. Yes, that's like a thing. But I wrote down, Agent Cooper does not like birds. Why is he standing so close to it then? If he doesn't like it, he's like literally right next to like the. It's like right here. You can't see because of the background. But like, if he didn't really like birds, why is he so... It bothered me greatly enough that I wrote down. Plus... Uh, to play off of something Sarah said earlier, he looks like super hot right there. He does. He's like, yeah. I don't like birds. And, and I'm like, and I, imagine I don't like we'll, them either. I imagine we'll revisit that at the end of this episode for a specific reason as well. But uh, <laughs> Cooper is looking good. In he's this looking episode. good in this episode for sure. This episode. He really does. Um, and I, I also wrote down this bird comment. So it's interesting. We were all kind of drawn to it. I saw that... Um, or the way I interpreted it is relating to, you know, we heard from the log lady about the owls recently, and we're going to be hearing a little bit more about them. And I see it like sort of, he's starting to develop his like supernatural suspicions about stuff at the moment. It's weird though, because if he doesn't like birds for a superstitious reason, you would think he would go on about it until everybody was bored to death. That's so true. Do. So it's just kind of a weird it thing. Is. Um, I do like, too, that Doc Hayward is, is, he's so, like, I need to get this bird to talk, so we need to get it back to help. And I'm going to go get some apples or, like, whatever, because these grapes are about to, about to go. Like, these grapes are minutes from turning. They're right on like, the verge. I'm like, what? Is there, like, a secret grape subplot where, like, Twin Peaks is just played with shitty grapes? <laughs> He's so mad about it's it. It's so random. It's just like, oh, you know what? These are good about to go bad. Do you even feed birds grapes? Like, I don't I have even... no idea. I don't know Oranges? what you feed a mina. Um, we need to get a bird expert to weigh I, in. They, it's actually mentioned on Leo's radio later, so I'll, I'll call back attention to that question. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought what one th note I made here was that we complained a lot about the uh, – procedural stuff in like episodes four and five where it started becoming okay now it's kind of a police procedural but the 
threads don't really tie together very well and it's not super clear what's going on. This episode does a lot better job, even, even though there's still a lot of that stuff going on. I feel like it does a lot better job of getting us to understand why these things are happening and what these different plot threads are pursuing. Um, and I particularly enjoyed the extremely stupid but very coherent plot device of we need to just keep feeding the bird until it talks <laughs> like, i thought that was just such an incredible narrative choice <laughs> i like how it got seven episodes in for being like we really gotta tack down how these police procedurals are going yeah. like past six episodes whatever but now is the time to get serious yeah um yeah this would be like the obviously the bird will talk about what it or whatever that's what they're trying to accomplish here. Uh, here we get the information that Jock had three guests the night that Laura died, Laura, Renette, and Leo. And um, we get a photo that they, like, they found the negative of. Um, and it's like <laughs> the bird. And they're like, but that's Laura's shoulder. And it's just like the last episode when they're looking at like, flesh world and they're like that's Laura's elbow you can tell like, like the lowest res ever <laughs> picture like how do you know it could have been any but whatever uh, puts Waldo the bird and Laura together and Jock and like it ties it like you said pretty much all up so so they know the who when but At not the why point, Waldo is our prime suspect <laughs> and this is where they get the voice activated recorder <laughs> to like <laughs> listen to the bird when it's finally okay enough to, to tweet or whatever um which i thought was a little silly but okay yeah um and we're gonna get into something but i want to see if sarah has anything to say about this before we get into what's about to happen no uh, <laughs> no bird content from Sarah. <laughs> you know, I don't have anything to say. It's just one of those things of like, because I'm such a huge nerd. I'm such a huge movie nerd. It's like, I love how he's just like throwing all these like noir references in like the name of Waldo and Dr. Leidecker. That's from Laura. Oh, wow. interesting. I didn't know that. <gasps> yeah, Waldo Leidecker and Laura is like the ultimate villain of the piece and so and then we'll get to like some more in because it's like you already introduced Maddie like Maddie Ferguson that's from Vertigo yeah, that's right. I love how Sarah was just like I don't have anything to say but I'm dropping some bombs on you right now that you <laughs> to even realize like Sarah <laughs> have some more confidence about your <laughs> no Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea. I did not know that. That's amazing. And now we're going to get into some light Bookhouse Boy action. And you know how yes. I feel. Colleen and I love nothing more than to talk about the Bookhouse Boys. There is. I would, oh, I could go on. I'm not going to. So. Uh, I can't yeah, let's go get on. The book. I will go on. <laughs> I, um, let's get, I mean, there's going to be some Bookhouse Boys action. It's, it's, said but they don't get into much so we will revisit that later on in the episode so now we're going to move well to, I'll, I'll sort of clarify the point what happens is basically um coop suggests oh we need to infiltrate this one-eyed jacks thing everything is leading back there they've got a poker chip uh they know jacques is involved they're like okay we gotta we gotta get over there somehow um and 
you know, for like the first time ever in a cop show, somebody's like, we don't actually have jurisdiction. We can't just go <laughs> over there and like <laughs> break into the, uh, you know, sketchy casino. And Coop is like, you're right. The cops can't do that. But you know who can? The Bookhouse Boys. The Bookhouse Boys. And it, and it, occurred, it occurred to me on, on this particular reading of that line is that I think almost every single time the phrase is Bookhouse Boys is mentioned on the show, it's the end of a scene and everybody awkwardly smiles knowingly at each other and then it cuts to something else. And like, yes. every single time that phrase appears, that happens on the screen. It's so funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's probably why I like it. So... Okay, so now we are going to cut to Shelly and Leo's house. Uh, as we, just a, a slight reminder, the last episode kind of ended on the um, implication that Shelly has shot Leo uh, with her eyes closed the way you do, with her teeny gun the way you do. Um, so what's going to happen? Well, Leo is spying on Bobby, swaggering in, so obviously she didn't kill him or anything. And, and spying he remotely hurt. So. Spying through the scope of a hunting rifle. <laughs> As I mean, you he, he do. definitely Yeah, yeah. He definitely doesn't look like he had a good night. His arm is bandaged up and stuff, which we assume is the gunshot, and his face is still fucked up from when Hank did his only hero moment on the show and beat the shit out of him at the end of that last episode. So um, here we have confirmation, Leo knows Bobby and Shelly have something going on. We get an opportunity to hear Leo talk about himself in the third person. He's like, Leo's waited. Leo's waited. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that too. That's I was very like, okay, funny. Who's he talking to? <laughs> uh, uh, I thought it was really funny as well. Uh, so that, that jig is up. I, I, love, I love this bit of Bobby going into the house and Shelly is... Uh, is some decent acting here. She seems very upset. She seems like we we get a good sense of feeling of the weight of the stuff that's happened, especially since most of Leo's injury and so forth was off camera. Um, I think it's delivered relatively well on her part. And she's for his good. Part, she's good in this whole whole yeah, episode. Yeah, Later yeah, on, she's yeah, too, I yeah. agree. And Bobby is just totally perfect vintage Bobby. He first says, "Bobby's here, baby. Bobby's here." <laughs> Which is like literally the least reassuring sentence of all time. Like in the prior episode, he was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you safe. And then Sheriff Andy knocked on the door and he hid in the closet with a gun. So like here he's, she's like, oh, I just shot Leo who, who also tried to shoot you in an earlier episode. And like, you ran off like a scared baby. Like what, what are we gonna do? He's like, I'm gonna handle everything. No, you're not. You're not gonna handle anything. Um, There's a, point here where it cuts back to Leo and he turns to listen to the radio that's the scanner that's going off or whatever it is and the tendrils of his ponytail is like Colleen at the prom in 1998 like they're just beautiful like large curls really well done uh, I'm gonna have a screenshot of that for for our socials Thank but you. Can it be it our is, profile uh, picture wow. for our social? It's cr it's crazy. I'm like his hair is like like gorge in this episode and in this one scene. I'm like, mm, he styled his curls a bit. Uh, I just I was very struck by it. I'm not sure what it, what does it mean, but um, 
his, his radio goes off and I will admit I didn't write down exactly what it was because my hand is messed up and writing hurts. So um, if you want to, if either of you want to clarify what he was actually listening to. So he's listening on a police scanner and he's hearing a conversation that sounds inane in the background, but we know what it means. And eventually somebody's like, well, can't you feed it just bird seed or whatever? And somebody comes back on the scanner and says, well, no, it's like a tropical bird. You have to feed it fruit and stuff. Like, and then Leo's like, oh shit, they have the bird. And, and then he's like, <laughs> so, so he's about to like snipe Bobby through the walls of his house or something. Oh, but then he's like, here's about the bird. And he's like, oh shit, this bird is going to give me up. And so he immediately abandons that post and gets I'll kill Bobby later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. I can get to that later. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. This is Leo... He's a mess. He doesn't know what he's up. There's so much I could say. Um, so yeah, we move on there to here's uh, Maddie and Donna and Jane uh, <laughs> listening <laughs> to Laura's to the the tapes that she had found that Maddie had found that Laura had hidden. So um, and tape is real gross. <laughs> continues gross. continues to make the relationship between her and Jacoby seem very gross. Yes. Like, very uncomfortable. It's just like 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 when he like when he gets to when he talks to Bobby in the in the sixth episode where he's like, Well, did you you know, did you make did she make you feel like this and that? And it's just Cry like when you made love. Yeah. I know, oh, it's God. like it's crazy inappropriate. It's like, where did you even get your degree? His, his whole vibe is just very cursed. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah it's, it's not great. Um, I have mentioned this, and I will mention it again, that Laura's voice, like, does she ever just talk like this? Like, hey, guys, how's it going? Like, she's like, hey, dog. She's like constantly doing that weird, like sexy baby put on voice yeah, or something. Very it's like, like really like, weird. Very like Betty Boop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like hmm, I know you like listening to my naked dreams, and I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> this, Themselves this is a, naked. This is another one of those things where whenever Lynch writes dialogue that's supposed to be sexy, it's never actually sexy. It's always like <laughs> nobody talks like this. No, it's just like it's just such a failure it's bad oh i had these big bad dreams i know you like to hear all my secrets and it's like gross yeah he, and i mean like, you can't ever just say hey like bad things are happening to me and i don't know why like right. how come you can't just say that and I, normally and i mean maybe if we're like reach really reaching to give it the benefit of the doubt here maybe the idea is that she sounds like a struggling teen who's like trying to be more adult than she is or something to deal with these issues but i don't know if i want to give it that much credit it mostly just sounds gross <laughs> i think well it's funny I, I, because ever... i think that is what we're supposed to be getting out of it i'm just not sure it's entirely successful in delivering. well i think there is some good introspection here but it's like wrapped in like and it's kind of strange because it's like wrapped in this like i have to be sexy for somebody to take me seriously yeah, yeah. but yeah. then she's like why do you guys always find me so attractive and it's like because you're always talking like you're about to 
them. Like, <laughs> like talk like a normal person. They'll probably be put off by your by your uh, honesty or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like upsetting. And as she starts talking about men, James shuts off. Yeah, so I, I do want to bring attention to this particular James moment because this is officially a podcast about talking about how James sucks and it <laughs> remains a podcast about how talking about James sucks. But there's two things I like about him in this scene in particular. The first is that this acting face he always does in every scene where he looks like he just was informed that his mom died and he smelled a fart at the same time. <laughs> like his face always looks like that. It's like, it's actually a hundred percent appropriate for this scene yes. where he's listening to this tape. So it's like, well done. That one face you made actually made sense this time. You're like, if you keep doing it, eventually it'll be valid. <laughs> and, and two, I just love how insane this plan he comes up with is. <laughs> like, holy crap. It's like the most, like, I'm an edgy teenager trying to get back <laughs> at this gross guy and my girlfriend who probably hated me is dead. <laughs> It's so weird. Like, yeah, obviously we're gonna pull a ghost prank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a girl, a, a ghost prank. Like, cause they go like maybe because the tape from the night she died is missing. So they're like, yeah. well, he probably has it, right. right? And instead of just being like, let's amplify three people to his one, let's just go and be like, did you fucking kill Laura? Like, what was happening? They're like, nope, ghosts. <laughs> it's gonna be very elaborate there's gonna be layers that don't need to be there right, but and it'll it, work and again they've pretty much established jacoby is the only psych in town or at least that's the sense we get he's always at everybody's house calls and he's at the hospital and whatever it's like why don't they just wait for him to go to work like he works at some point and instead they're like no ghost time <laughs> it's, it's, it's scooby-doo it's scooby-doo plot time right now <laughs> So. They they are the meddling kids. They are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really like this out of James. It's very funny to me. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, okay, so we kind of move on from that. Oh, and I do want to point out too that like uh the oh my god. Matt just said the perfect uh <laughs> Example of the James face. I can't quite get it. Because of the background. <laughs> you can get it. It got there. It's good. Um, so this, I also want to mention that there are, especially in this scene and later, Donna giving James sort of the suspicious yeah. eye, like because of Maddie, which I think is like and valid, but also like you've been seeing each other for four days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like. Calm down. Um, and and it, this comes back, but I just yeah, wanted to it, do. Yeah, I am it, very it, cognizant of the stink eye happening. So, um, yeah, we're gonna move now to Horns, the department store, the perfume counter. I, I want to bring in and credit uh, my significant other here, uh, Sudge, because she, while I was rewatching this series about a year or two ago or something. Uh, I, she, she made this comment that was, they should have, they should have like a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode that says, no people of color were involved in the making of this television show, <laughs> <laughs> which A, is true, but the reason I bring it up here is because they have this one random bit character 
who gets used in a really kind of uncomfortable way and is, other than Josie, is the only person of color that you see in this episode. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is, this is weird. I yeah. like how this happens. Jenny, Jenny. Yeah. And, and I will say this, that um, this has been a very, in my opinion, valid critique yeah. of, yeah. Um, of David Lynch in his whole like, like career. Um, very few people of color I mean, well, there's like, um, there's Hawk too, I guess you can say, but. Um, yeah, yeah, that's but, true. But he gets kind of stereotyped in a weird way that that's doesn't what I was really say. make it that good. <laughs> Very few people of color. And then often when he has people of color, it's not in the best way. Right. Or when he has people acting like people of color, it's not in the best way either. So um, not to be too spoilery, but. Um, oh, well, I'm a, sure we'll have plenty to say about that. Yeah, when we get there. I'm not looking forward to Not it. at all. And I thought that last night too. But, um, but I will say that I believe, I think uh, some critiques about David Lynch are kind of like, like you're reaching, but yeah, this but is that one's critique. very valid. Very and, valid. And that's why this stuck out like a sore thumb to me. It stuck out to me too. Episode. Poor Jenny. Anyway, um, maybe we should talk about the scene. Yeah, so the scene, well, that is a good uh, framework for it, though. So we have uh, Audrey has shimmied her way to the, the perfume counter at Horns, um, and her father is under the impression she's at gift wrap. Audrey is very bad at this job, and I am willing to in gift wrap. She would be very bad at that job, too. Um, she's being very condescending. I think that's on, and I, I think that's on the nose for her character, though. It like, is. Of course, she's bad. Good scene with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awful at it. Yeah. And I will say that I worked in cosmetics and fragrance <laughs> a long time ago, and this girl is not getting a commission with this attitude. It's not <laughs> if I was her shift supervisor, oh man. <laughs> sales based on sales, and it's just not going to happen. Um. So we, so we have her back there. She's bored as hell. She's obviously waiting for something cool to happen that she can, like, suss out because she's, like, playing Miss Detective. Um, and she, and Emery kind of pulls Jenny, her coworker, to the side and is like, can you come to my office? So she's like, hmm. Um, she does this thing where, I almost dropped my notes, where she needs to get into this office to, to listen to what Emery has to say to Jenny because she knows that the perfume women are usually recruited to work at One Eye Jack where there's this guy like standing I don't know who is supposed to be like near <laughs> near like the office and she's like oh my god there was a super bad accident did you there's like people everywhere and cars and sirens <laughs> Say one word. He's like, I <laughs> must go. Mind. And he goes, like, I gotta see the accident now. He's like, <laughs> just walks away. Like, I gotta see this right now. And I thought that was so fucking funny. Like, he's just like very stereotypical, like, like back room dude at a, at a department store. It's like, yeah, anything to get out of the store. I will go look at the mangled bodies. Like, I, I think that that's like, really funny. In, in its entire, because she uses this positioning to spy on this meeting between Jenny and Emery, but like, the whole thing is like, she goes in here, she's kind of covering it with the fact that she's doing it to get away with smoking inside the department store. Yeah, and smoking in a closet. Yeah, she's smoking How in a closet. So there's like layers to her, uh, <laughs> her screwing around here, but on top of it, it's like, this other guy was just sort of standing around when she walked in, so he didn't seem to be 
doing the same shit, just hiding out in this back room. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, I guess when you work at a department store, that's what you do. You're like, no, no, no. I, I mean, I believe that, but it's so funny because it's like, I need to kick out this guy who's just standing around here so that I could just stand around here for some convenient ease. <laughs> this is my dropping. standing spot. Um, I'm glad that we all noted the cigarette in the closet yeah as a sneaky and 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 like this window she's looking through is like slatted like i don't really understand why there's a window from the supply closet into like the manager's office first of all it doesn't make any fucking sense but second of all it's like is is it a glass paned window inside the building because that also doesn't make sense but if it's not then they should be able to smell her smoking from inside the closet that's the thing yeah. He, like I was like, how did they not smell? Like it, like this the slats. Like wouldn't the cigarettes walk through the slats? Yeah, I don't. It, it, it's like how could you not even? How could you not notice that? And it's just he. I don't know. David Lynch has a thing about putting people in closets. Like from yes, me. yes, he does. He certainly <laughs> does. What that means thing. beyond us. But it's it's also just a thing where it's just geometrically spatially it doesn't make any sense like regardless of the like framing of the scene it's just like it just doesn't make sense it reminds me a lot of that like probably apocryphal but maybe it's real i don't know that steven spielberg thing where in jurassic park uh the tyrannosaurus rex's cage it has ground that's level with the car track until the t-rex comes through the cage and then when he throws the Jeep onto the side of the edge, yeah. suddenly it's like a 50-foot drop-off cliff. Like, like the ground just suddenly lowered 50 feet for the sake of the stunt where the Jeep falls down. And apparently, like, one of the producers or script supervisors or somebody on the set was like, this doesn't make any sense geographically. Like, uh, the ground should be up here. There shouldn't be this huge drop-off there all of a sudden. And Steven Spielberg said to this assistant, I don't care. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. And about this. And no moviegoer is not going to care. Going through my head as I watched her smoking against this window, I'm like, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to complain a lot about this window, and nobody cares. <laughs> and what it's funny to me is it reminds me very much of the impossible rooms in The Shining. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this guy's office, like, if he comes out this way, that's, like, where the kitchen is. Right. These windows would be actually behind, like, a, a wall. And it's just, like, this is, like, the impossible closet of the shining that is Twin Peaks. Like, that's very it just funny. makes no sense. I didn't sense. think of it that way. Yeah, I always think of it. <laughs> I'm never not thinking about, twin, uh, about the shining and its impossibility. Um, yeah, okay, so <laughs> moving on from the... She's still in the closet, but we'll move on from that. Um, Jenny is being gifted a little unicorn, which is like a super pandering thing. Where it's like unicorns are special, and they they represent purity. And I'm like, do they? I've never heard that. <laughs> um, that's not a thing. Uh, it seems like she's being recruited. Uh, she a stint at one. She you know like she's being recruited to work at One Eye Jacks. Basically, she's being trafficked. Basically. Um, and, and Emery is like, you know, you could be a blackjack person, or you could be a, you know, a server, or you could be a hospitality girl, which is, she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, okay, nice what's that? Yeah. He's just like, like, yeah, you would, you would be escorting important guests. And she's yeah. like, well, as long as they're rich. And he's like, yes, that's the idea. <laughs> that is the spirit. And I will emphasize I like your es- style. <laughs> escorting. Escorting. <laughs> no, that's yeah, it's style. like 
15,000 alarm bells should go off, but. Yeah, no, but she's just, well, she's a, a perfect girl in Twin Peaks, so she's just eager for any opportunity. Yeah. Really. She's like, fuck it, I don't care, I know what this is, and it's still more interesting. Yeah, than more you want me to be a prostitute, story. right? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> you want to misuse she me, right? unicorn behind, and then Audrey picks it up, so it's like her gambit to like get into, like get some knowledge about how to cut, like cook up with one-eyed jacks. Yeah, well, I, I thought the way they play that scene out is relatively clever. The way they have her take it and then act like, oh, this is my copy. You got one too, right? Agreed. Okay, well, I want to mention that he's like, he gives Jenny and he's like, ask for Black Rose. Um, and then he has this like, you know, they leave yeah, it, yeah. this little like dossier that Audrey flips through and sees Renette's name and she's like, mm-hmm. And then she steals the unicorn. But this doesn't work for me because Later, she shows the unicorn to Jenny. We'll get to that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I got one of those too. Where is it? You forgot it. That's yours. Where right. Oh, wait, I don't but, have it. But, but she was also pretty explicit about, yeah, I don't give a fuck about this thing. It's so weird that he gave me like, this. So yeah, my, right. my read on it, and again, maybe it's generous in this case, but my read on it is just sort of like, yeah, I know. That's weird, right? Like he gave us this beautiful unicorn thing unicorn. that was talking about purity. I, I would feel like that was weird, <laughs> personally. <laughs> I don't know. It, like, it, maybe you're correct, and I'm... I, I do not ever think I'm more correct than anybody else. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so she flips through. She see, she sees Renette's name. She's like, alarm bells. She takes the unicorn. We know this is gonna. We're gonna come back to this. Uh, we are going to move on to the double R. Where I, I feel like we should say the upshot is when she then speaks to Jenny, she's like, oh, can you give me that phone number? I lost my copy of it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, here you go. So this yeah. is how Audrey ultimately is able to sort of get where she goes later in the Right, year. but I was going to talk about that when the scene fucking happens, Chris. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rare uh, display of smarts on Audrey's part. Yeah. Um, but... We go to the RR, and Norma is there with fucking, what's his name? I've never heard of a Hank, So right? Hank, and I've even started in my notes referring to him based on your statement last episode is Hank, parentheses, dingus. I wrote Norma <laughs> dingus. That's I know, I, I know he did. I totally did well. remember that, like, when he calls Josie for the first time before he's actually let out of person he's like sucking on that domino yeah he has. we've talked about that a we've lot. talked about <laughs> it, <laughs> the domino. About it. And the, the weird hyper realistic illustration yes. he made of the domino to send her and, he knows, and then he psychically knows, yeah, he knows when she, she opens the letter calls her immediately. <laughs> so stupid this is a scene where i was also impressed by the acting from shelly because he's chatting her up and she's just like Okay. Yeah, he's doing a real, like, you know, back when I was in prison routine. Yeah, you like, know, I get these stories. <laughs> and, and she does a good job of doing the, like, I fucking hate this and I don't give a shit, but I'm not, I'm too polite. Yeah, she, she's the woman, <laughs> woman being talked at by a man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very, very recognizable. She does it really well. And he's obviously fishing for info about Big Ed. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, that guy who helped sometime? What's his name? And she's like, oh, you mean Big Ed? Yeah. Yeah. And and then in case we, the audience, didn't get it, then there's like an extremely painfully long close-up on Hank's face, and he goes, Big Ed. (laughs) Big Ed. (laughs) Which I thought was so stupid. (laughs) Uh, Uh, 
this asshole. this rolls into one of my favorite moments in the show, but it also I'm realizing upon this watching, it makes no sense. So uh, Cooper and Harry walk into the diner, basically just so Harry can commit police harassment against Hank. Like, not that I give a shit about Hank, but, like, he just basically comes over to go, hey, you know you're on parole. And he's like, yeah, I know I'm on parole. He's like, so you better show up to your meeting that isn't right now. And he's like, yeah, I know. And then Harry's like, come on, let's go. <laughs> like, what the hell? He just came over here to yell at it? And, don't make me side with yeah and and like fine i get that harry is like like trying to keep the order in a small town he probably doesn't have a lot to do outside of this like palmer investigation or whatever but why is coop there who's an fbi agent he's like sure i'll ride along on your like brief like fast friends police, police harassment errands that you're committing the time cooper's just like no we're gonna stay for a cup of coffee yeah this is the bit i like yeah, yeah. every day Hey, give yourself a present, and I definitely, like, I endorse that. Yeah. Yeah. That is iconic. It's really in, memorable. In, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Wait, Coop, you told us you didn't have any secrets at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> every, every day, day once a day. Give yourself give a present. <laughs> yeah. And... Harry's just like, eh, this sounds not quite right to me, but maybe. And it's just, it's just such a moment. It is. Harry's like, okay. <laughs> just guys being dudes. What's better than this? Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that is like an iconic line. Yeah. You see this a lot. Uh, I do want to mention, and this is super dorky, but I know we've talked about the ice cream lamp at the Devil R. And I think when Seth was a guest, he was like, I want that lamp. And I was like, so do I. I mean, I still want it. But also there's one in like Animal Crossing. <laughs> and I'm, every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, because <laughs> it reminds me of the oh, double R. That's so funny. just a little, little inside to my train of thought that you were all clamoring for. You got it. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to move back to Audrey, pretending to have been recruited as well. Uh, and like you said, she, she, this is, it is, yeah. And Apologies. She, I got this confused in my notes. I forgot this bit is broken off. So you were believe. like, I've ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> Shut off the podcast. <laughs> it's <I'm> over. <laughs> Sarah is the new co-host. Probably be a <laughs> <kind of> show. <laughs> okay. So, um, again, yeah, she basically is like, oh, yeah, I got one of these cool unicorns too, but I lost. Uh, the card with the number, can I get it? And Jenny's like, yeah, sure, like, whatever. It's just a very quick sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's clever on Audrey's end, which I, I don't care for Audrey, as I say a lot. So when she's clever, I gotta give it to her. I can't, I can't. Yeah, she's good in this episode, or at least she's good at what she's trying to do, whether yeah. it makes sense or not. <laughs> Um, ooh, ooh, we cut to invitation to love. The best. And I get, I forgot that there was a reappearance of that guy I liked so much who was I on thought of one second in the prior episode. <laughs> he was amazing here. I thought that actually when I was watching it. Sarah, what are your thoughts on invitation to love? You know, I, as a whole. As a whole, um, you know, I love how they're just like, 
it's just a world within a world and it's just mm -hmm. it cracks me up with a with the thing of like emerald and jade and it's just like more doubling off like there's so many doubles in twin peaks yeah. and then it's just like it just transfers over into this imaginary world and you know it's like these big you know it sort of mirrors sometimes like the action that's going on but not always it like slightly serves as like a greek chorus <laughs> yeah like, give you some framework as to what's going on in the show I, I think it also does some interesting work in terms of we know twin peaks is kind of like it kind of walks that line of being both a bit of a parody of a soap opera and like an almost like to the nth degree example of a soap opera at the same time. Whereas Invitation to Love is like, okay, but what if we went just totally hog bonkers on this instead? <laughs> I love it. I wish we could get like a, like somebody string them all. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's just done that on YouTube or whatever. It would be a joy to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I love Invitation to Love and I also love the implication that literally everyone in the town is watching Invitation it. to Love. Yeah. At the same time. Because it stop. They like literally yeah. stop everything. They're like, oh, I gotta watch it. It's on right now and we can't tape it because it's 1991 or whatever. Um, I love, I love just that thought of them because it cuts to Nadine and she's like, you show him chips. Like she's so into the show. Dexter is about to yeah. shoot that guy or he I does like actually idea. shoot him yeah, very shoot similarly him. to how Shelly shot Leo at the yes. end of the prior episode. Basically the same way, like. <laughs> I love <laughs> the thought of. be a good moment for the video. <laughs> I love the thought of everyone being like, yeah, like in town, you can like hear it. Like when somebody scores big, like <laughs> when like it's, you know, like the Patriots and you can hear all their neighbors yell yeah, yeah. because Bostonians love their sports. Um, but I just, I really like the invitation to love thing. And then big fucking Ed walks in and he is looking like a snack. Like yeah. this is a shot moment that I will be screenshotting for our socials, he looks good. Yeah, there's there's more discussion about how Ed looks in in a little while. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's just a yeah. teaser. It's, it's a little. It's a mirror. It's a mirror crumb of the meal that comes forth from this. Alpha oh, fucking rule. Um, I just really love this bit where she's like crushed, eating candy, watching this television show because. The patent attorney said that her drape runner thing was dumb or whatever. And Ed's response after the kind of blow up with Norma in the prior episode and that whole thing is to just kind of like double down on being supportive now. Like, you can't give up on your dream of these drape runners. And he's like, I, he's like probably saying it because he knows it's what she wants to hear or whatever. But it's like, it's just really funny to watch that playing out. I love I love Nadine in this in this scene because it's just it's like I love how she's just so obsessed with getting these perfectly noiseless drapes and it's just it's like that's her tunnel she's like her tunnel vision and it's like she's just so committed and it's yeah. so sad it, it is sad the patent lawyer was like no sorry and she's like it's it's not just the drapes to her it's her key to a better life that doesn't exist <laughs> yeah she's gonna buy a motorboat it's some like holy grail and this incredible line comes out of ed's mouth we'll keep looking for a patent attorney who understands drape runners <laughs> <laughs> 
to say though, I'm, uh, I am actually, I think it's very sweet how supportive he is of her in this scene. Even no, yeah, no, it's, from a place it's of placating. Yeah, he's like, he like hugs her close and he's like, don't worry, we'll, like, we'll find someone. You can't give up. And it's like, like, he's not happy with her. Not, I mean, like, he's not happy being with her. Like, like obviously, he loves Norma. And we get some backstory on that whole situation, I think, in season two. But, like, it's just sweet to see it. And, like, I have such a soft spot for a big yeah. Like, he is, hands down, probably, like, my favorite. So it's just nice to see that he's, like, it's okay. Yeah, he's, he's one of the few characters on the show, and I don't think this is a spoiler of any kind because there's never any intrigue around this, but he's one of the few characters in the show who you really come out going, oh, this is, like, supposed to be a good guy. Yeah. You know, like, even, even the people we like tend to do bizarre or troubling things at points in this series, but Ed is never doing anything but, like, the most wholesome thing he could be doing on screen at that particular moment. Yeah. Except for one... one Hilarious line later in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay, we'll get to that. But that's in character. Yeah. So it's it's still. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um. Okay. We are going to move on to Pete and Harry talking taxidermy. Size isn't everything, Pete. Says. Um. This is like. Maybe I missed something, and maybe you both can me in but why is Harry there is it just to talk to Josie because they like they talk and then uh, Josie comes and Harry's like why are you at that hotel on Tuesday and first of all how much fucking like what is the timeline here I know it feels like it's been like a million episodes since we visited this like Ben and Catherine little Elvis fucking yeah yeah, yeah yeah that was but like I also feel like in the show itself, a lot has happened since then. So it's like, am I to believe that this is the same week? Yeah. Like, I, this is like two days later or something like that? I, it's difficult, especially these early episodes, to try to make a coherent timeline out of it. It's, I, I think the idea is that uh, it's only been a few days and maybe this is the first chance he's had to go by there and see her because they had the crime scene with the Renault apartment and the Renault cabin, and they were working those and actually doing police work for once instead of just wandering around town. Are you going to see your girlfriend? Yeah, so I I sort of buy it. It's it's weird, but, you know, this show does that a lot, where it's just like, eh, fuck it, this person's here right now. Like, <laughs> I've already complained about that earlier in this episode, so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it, this is... I'm frustrated because the Ben and Catherine stuff I know it's important, but it bores yeah. me, so I don't well, care for it. What I think is interesting on this scene is it becomes, although we sort of got the clue in really only the last episode to begin it really strongly that Josie's also operating on some sneaky shit here, like, it becomes really evident in this particular scene to me how many layers deep she's in. I was also talking about this with my girlfriend. Is I feel like she's an interesting character and we'll see more about where this story goes with her i don't love everything that they do with her here but i do love that they do a good job of explaining and demonstrating that her situation is complex and she's got lots of like you know impulses and fears and stuff driving her in different directions at once and it's like 
the train is gonna go off the rails. But like when he's like, where were you at? And first she lies about it. She's like, no, I didn't do that. And he's like, uh, yeah, you did. Uh, Hawk saw you. And she's like, oh shit, the one competent cop saw me. Yeah, the one cop that wouldn't <laughs> yeah. lie about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so then she goes, oh, I was just there getting these photos specifically for you. It's like, if you're getting these photos specifically for him, you wouldn't have lied about doing it. (laughs) Nothing about it makes sense. That Obviously, she's like, just, it makes sense that she's so caught up in these different things with her machinations around, you know, dealing with Catherine, whatever her deal is with Ben Horn that we don't have all the details on yet, uh, whatever she's doing with the mill, um, and some other stuff that really hasn't even come down the pipe yet for her, uh, there's a lot going on with Josie, and I think this scene does has, a good job of showing that without just info dumping on you. She has, this is the term I was thinking of last episode that I couldn't articulate, her hand in many cookie jars. Mm. Because there is like, it's like there's a conspiracy with Ben, and there's a conspiracy with Hank, and there's a, and it's just like, even her relationship with Harry is like kind of a big secret. So it's just like, weird like but but the minute they start talking about arson i'm just like yeah oh yeah good more more real estate fraud uh (laughs) yeah it's like okay like this is definitely why people come to this show yeah i know Um, it's you never hear anybody say i live for you know this (laughs) of the plot (laughs) you know my favorite part of twin peaks is the ghostwood estate conspiracy (laughs) who's your your favorite character oh definitely uh Catherine Martel for sure I love everything I mean to be fair she's a great character Catherine is I mean she is but she's go ahead I lost my train of thought I was just about to say with the whole the scene with Josie and everything I was just like oh my god I want your coat she and her lipstick is so good in the scene too she always is fantastic was really showing up on this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna, Sarah, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna post on the Twitter a picture of her in the scene, so we'll we'll be able to point out the coat and the lipstick. Um, because she's, she does really, like, she brings it she's, as the kids She's say. very serving looks on this uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. early 90s yeah. weirdo soap opera. She looks awesome. Um, okay, yeah, arson, blah, 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 murder, blah, 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 blah. Uh, now. So let's move on to something actually important, like Big Ed's suit for the second time. (laughs) Oh, Coop's in the tux. Looking good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then Big Ed is in his, like, weird cowboyish suit. Weird, like, his weird, like, like... I come from an old oil family. <laughs> Look. Look at Last night I was watching I was watching this with my sister and she saw Ed and she's like, he looks like Lyle Lovett. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's He's not funny. wrong. Oh God. Um, but they both look good. And then what's hilarious is then Harry's there and it's like Dumpiest <laughs> ever. It's the same outfit he's wearing in like almost every single scene in this show. And what's funny is probably not uh, right. And what's funny is I'm like his outfit fucking sucks. Is he going to? That's why I write. And then later they're like, you dress shitty. Yeah. <laughs> One of them too. And I was just like, oh. I I, I was writing. 
goddamn big ends uh, when I jack outfit. And then as I wrote period, Coop on screen said, Ed, your suit is perfect. And I was like, <laughs> yes. We're all on the same page. They look good. And then, then it's funny because they're like, we have costumes too. Oh man, that is so good. Um, I do want to mention, I love how cheese these absolute idiots get about like, we're going to go play mo- poker with CIA money. <laughs> and it's like, it's the happiest you ever see him on screen. Like, the entire series. He's like, <laughs> I forget how much, um, how much he says, but he's like, $10,000? Yeah, yeah. like, and Coop just casually goes, you know, when I gamble with the department's money, I like to come back with at least a 20% profit or something like that. <laughs> Most people who gamble do like, want to do that. Uh, it's so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I wrote Harry's outfit sucks. Um, then Big Ed like goes and Harry is like, I need to talk to Coop real quick and, and kind of recounts this, like, Catherine and Ben arson murder plot, um, which is, like, kind of s- a silly time to do that. Like, I feel, yeah. like, I feel like the arson murder isn't going to happen tonight. Yeah. Maybe just bring it up to, like, hey, tomorrow will remind me to tell you some, some shit. I, I, I do think I can see from, like, a storytelling perspective why we get a little recap on that there, because it comes from Harry's point of view. And his sense is like, oh, there's all this stuff going on with the mill and Josie is a victim, but we already know she's not, you know? So we already know that the police angle in on this is going to be like, how do we prove Josie's innocent? And we know that's wrong. So like it sets us up for some good dramatic irony in the next few episodes, but I agree with you. It doesn't do anything like right now, other than to remind us that that plot's still going to be going on while this other shit is happening. <laughs> and also, it's like, he, Coop's like, well, how do you know that she's not lying? And he's like, because I love her. And it's yeah. like... And then Coop... Oh. And, and wonder if this bit of Coop's character is going to come back to bite him later. He goes, that's good enough for me. Let's make it police business now. <laughs> yeah, and Harry said in, like, an earlier episode, he's just like, I've only been seeing her for, like, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, like, her husband. Her life. husband just ate shit like four months ago. Like it's fine. <laughs> I've only been seeing her for six weeks, but I know she would never lie. I know she's not involved in several conspiracies. I love her. Isn't that enough? Yes. Let's open an investigation on that. Um, it's weird, but it's a weird way to Coop's shoot. Coop's like, what do you know about what she used to do before she moved here? And he's like, nothing. And Coop's like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just a weird space to shoehorn this in. Yeah, I agree with that. Could have come after. I, I think the detail works, but I agree with you that it doesn't need to be reiterated here. But we do move on to the fact that they rented a Cadillac. So, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. That's important. That's very funny. I rented the fanciest Cadillac for you guys. And again, Ed and Cooper are like, <laughs> they're like so unreasonably stoked to go like hang out at this like brothel, essentially. I know. They're just, they're way too excited. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like suspicious almost. Yeah, it's like, they, like, calm down a little. 
uh, what's funny is it de definitely has the same energy as like a very boring class taking you on a relatively interesting field trip. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. thinking something like, similar. I got my <laughs> brown paper bag lunch. I got some spending money for the gift shop. I'm going to go see the <laughs> Like it's just very like high field trip energy in my opinion. Yeah, very um, much. Um, I, I, I noted this thing here in the transition. Um, so Harry goes, I love her and I believe her. And Coop's like, well, that's good enough for me. Smash cut to a scene where an insurance guy is like, hey, Catherine, uh, I just showed up at your house because this person, Josie, took out a life insurance policy on you. Do you think that's anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there, in between, there is a, a quick scene of Audrey trying to get in touch with Coop. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Very quick, but it's that. very quick. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he like, it's almost like he leaves and then she ships passing in the night. Yeah. And, um, and so like, she's just like, it's urgent. He needs to talk to me, whatever. He's not going to be talking to you because he's going to be partying it up in his Cadillac. Um, yeah, we get to this insurance scene. And again, my brain yeah. is like, but what I think is very funny about this is Catherine's like oh okay yeah let me look through the paperwork and this guy's like you have to sign it because it goes into effect at midnight yeah. so i have to have you sign it right now and then she immediately is like i'd like a lawyer to look at it can you, i give it to you tomorrow and he's like, sure yeah. and what happened at midnight being a hard hard I, um i mean i don't think this guy is getting paid enough to be in the middle of that transaction. They're like, get this taken care of. And he's like, I'm, I don't want to die over this. <laughs> like, I, I ain't fighting with this old lady in this house. <laughs> yeah, like, Josie's I, the beneficiary. Yeah, yeah. She wants stuff. It's, it's important, but to me, it is not very I, I do like her way of trying to, like, and it's a very in-character thing for her to try to save face in this and not be like, what? This is outrageous. I didn't do this. She's like, oh, yes, I, I am involved in this, but it's wrong. You know? like, she's, she's still like, no, I'm not going to sign it, but I have the hand in this situation. Yeah, yeah and the guy's just like, I just want to be a good lawyer or like whatever. Yeah. And then she does this, she does this great thing when he leaves where she goes, think think so that we know she's thinking which is almost as good but not quite as Hank going big yeah this is just like she wants to change stuff and whatever I don't care yeah and then you go to Audrey slipping the note under the door and this guy like nods at her like this yeah. guy next door is like, like <laughs> he's like good sneaking and she's like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember that part. And I don't think it is anything. Like, I don't know if it leads somewhere and I just don't remember. But I just thought it was a very strange choice to have this guy like going into his room and he's like. I think I know who that guy is supposed to be, but I'm only going to be certain when we cover the next episode. And I don't okay. want to say something from a future episode. So we'll talk about it next step. Yeah, I'm super blanking on that. So. Yeah. Um, oh, now, okay, so now we get to talk about the disguises, because this is just great. Um, we're, we're back at the fucking police station, it goes back and forth so much, and they're like, ooh, we have these, like, fake mustaches that literally you can get for the dollar store and Halloween, like, I'm pretty sure I have a set of these in, in my garage, um, 
and like this like weird disco wig <laughs> like disco it's like like literally the worst looking costume <laughs> materials i have ever seen in my life is what is coming out of coop's like official cia disguise kit do not open pools you know they're supposed to be going as high rollers and stuff and they have this like just terrible and even big ed's like my head is too big for this way it's just like and Coop, what's so funny about that is Coop's like, no, you gotta wear it. It's so good. Yeah, it's, just, like, it's not gonna work without the wig. Yeah. yeah. The mustache isn't enough. Coop does not put a hairpiece on. He Clark Kent's it, but he's like, Ed, you have to wear this wig. Like he's getting like it's almost like it's some rib on Ed. Like you have to wear this extremely dumbass he's, looking wig. He's, Uglying him up so he'll look <laughs> like that thing, but also it's like they're trying to not be recognized, right? And the Clark Kent thing, okay, like weird, but Coop does look a lot different with glasses on. And also, her. Coop's not from the area. I mean, maybe there's yeah. some rationale that Ed is more likely to have been seen around there before, but, but still, Big Ed is still like 19 feet tall. <laughs> And like very specific looking. And he so has must- like one of the most like most immediately recognizable cheekbone structures of all time. Like <laughs> <laughs> So it's like what are you doing? Like what are you doing? So weird. Uh, oh I love it. I love it. I love it. Um and then oh okay, now we're gonna get into the bird stuff. Sarah, maybe you wanna talk about this stuff? What are we looking- we go into we go into the bird like oh Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, um, I wrote down, like, so Theo shoots the bird. Right, but not before the bird starts saying, Mara, Yeah, Mara. and he starts to say, Laura, Laura, hurting, hurting me, stop it, stop it, Leo, no. And then, like, you hear the, you hear the gun, and then there's, like, feathers and blood on the pile of it's donuts. It's really gross. It's way grosser than I remembered it being. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty realistic. Yeah, it's really gross and a waste of donuts. I, I, it is a waste of donuts. I do want to draw attention to the fact that when he was hanging out in front of his house, it was broad daylight hours yes. and hours and hours ago. And he's like, no, I need to hurry up and do something about that bird before it like it divulges <laughs> yeah, evidence. It and so, so hours later, when it's night and raining, and I mean, maybe the idea was that he shot under the cover of the thunder or something. I don't know, but the point is, like, this whole plan is a bust because he took like eight hours when he was like, I need to drive over there right now, and know, it's <laughs> it like, still somehow took him the it entire day. From one end of Twin Peaks to it the other. Be much. Yeah. <laughs> Not long because we've already established that Shelly and Bobby can have sex and then make it to the diner in 13 minutes. Uh, I don't think Twin Peaks is very trapping. I mean, to be fair, Bobby's a teenager, so well, that's you know, what I'm saying. 12 and a half so, of those minutes are driving. You know? Still doesn't account for the several hours. <laughs> it does not. Yeah, uh, this Laura stuff, this bird, it sucks. It's sad. Um, um, so they got their clues, and it's funny too because Leo's like, "I'm gonna take this bird out," but like, like doesn't ever stop to think that maybe they're somehow monitoring this right. bird for like. <laughs> so like, the sensible thing would have been to break into the police station. Not easy, I know. Kill the bird and take the recorder, but I mean, it's Leo. Yeah, yeah. So 
Um, so they're like, mm, interesting. Like, let's listen to this tape. And they're like, oh, we got him. But first, let's go gamble. Yeah, so that, that for me is like the upshot here is they get the tape. The bird has mentioned Leo and Laura's names and a bunch of hurdy, scary sounding stuff. It, it's kind of a clever little thing because it is creepy when they like it's play creepy. back the, the bird voice and stuff and um but i will say this is almost like world breaking for me the logic that happens here in a way that even like the red room and stuff isn't where it's like they're they're preparing for this super half-assed undercover thing that they're doing at one-eyed jacks and then a citizen fires a gun into the sheriff's office and instead of like trying to pursue him trying to like figure out the you know the where the projectile came from run the ballistics or something then just straight up like no let's go to the casino now like whatever bird's dead too late doesn't matter we're already like, in our costume yeah. <laughs> yeah. got what we needed let's go it's like it's super doesn't make any sense to me uh um yeah, it's just silly. It's silly. It is creepy though, listening to the um, tape because I have this thing where I hate stuff that's recorded and played back because it creeps me out. And I think it stems from when I was younger. The scariest movie I ever saw when I was younger was The Changeling, and uh, which is an amazing movie. And they have like a seance and they record it. And when they play the seance back, you can hear like the ghost boy talking. And it's almost like this of like hurting me, and it creeps me out so much that to this day, like I won't let something run that might be able to pick up something else, like TV is staticky or a radio. Like it creeps me out. So listening back to like this bird talking is so creepy. I don't like it. Yeah, and, it just fills me with a sense of dread and, that like reminds me of being young, and and it's just. Uh, and Lynch loves that stuff too. He he loves yeah. to put like grainy audio and video recordings inside of his movies. Like he's just oh, yeah, absolutely not obsessed cool. with it. It's not cool for me, a person who's afraid of it. <laughs> and yet, here we are. And, yeah, I love him. <laughs> it's fine. He can do whatever he wants. Um. Okay, we go to One Eyed Jacks, and and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna be some high rollers." And and uh, Blackie, she meets them, and we are subjected to the worst baseball double entendres that we ever have to that we will ever be subjected to in our whole lives and i need to mention that she's like what do you guys do and ed says own own a gas station i mean oral surgery <laughs> and it's like no i what? so so i see what you're saying <laughs> but this moment of the of the episode but, but there's but that there's kind of the whole bit starts when she tells Ed, "You look like a cop," and Coop goes, "No, I'm the cop," and it's like, "Ha ha 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 ha," and then Ed goes, "I run a gas station. I'm an oral surgeon." Ha ha ha. The bit is that they both admit what they are, no, and but she's just and she's just like, "Oh yeah, ha ha," and then they go. You know. I know that. But it's <laughs> still stupid. Yes, it's, it's stupid. Still stupid. <laughs> the way Coop says it is believable. Yeah, the way Ed does is not believable. It's like I'm an asshole who doesn't remember that I'm supposed to be under. And also, I look 
more like an 80s porn star than any actual 80s porn star. <laughs> oh my god. Like, like it's just incredible like, yeah. the scene. Go on, Sarah. What no, were you I would say? say that this is like the this is like the highlight of the episode for me. For sure. Where he's yeah. just like, you know, he just blurts it out. And it's it's just it's like that's what I would do in the same situation. It's I don't guess I did. It's like I have no poker face. And and then as they turn away, Coop is like, Good job, Ed. That's perfect. <laughs> like, you nailed it. And, and it's so and funny because like Blackie says to Cooper, she's like, "You look like Cary Grant," and um, and it's just like he's not quite. He's not. He's just like dorky Cary Grant for me. <laughs> you look like Cary like Grant it. if he was a nerd. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I like too how it's like when it goes from like baseball double entendres to like oral surgeon. Double. But then he's like, "I'd like to take a look under your hood." Yeah. It's like, but then. Yeah, but then, Ed, yeah, exactly. Ed reverts to car ones because he <laughs> yeah. cannot keep his cover of his life depends on it. <laughs> and then Blackie's like, yeah, I need to get my oil changed or whatever. Yeah, it's like, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you, the inner monologue of her must be like, these men are so fucking stupid. I, and I sure like because yeah i I do think it's believable from her character standpoint that she's like oh yeah whatever these guys are telling me some stupid shit and i have to play along with it you know (laughs) i I think that part at least makes it work we can't underestimate blackie which we'll get to in a second but i will admit that i did underestimate her uh for a moment in this episode but uh this is i want to point out this the kind of gambling it's gonna be great and they kind of pan through and you have like the the women who work there in these like like very uh revealing like well i'm kind of like the baby's like squeaking in the back and she's distracting me um like these revealing outfits with like cards like you know playing off of this one eye jack which i'm sorry one eye jacks is the worst sign i've ever seen we, i should have <laughs> mentioned that when they first get there it's like a long with like the shittiest neon, like, one eye, like, don't have a sign at all. How about that? It's bad. I mean, it's so, supposed to be a secret establishment, so you would think they would not have a neon that's sign. What I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but while we were watching this, my point, my rambling point is, it's, it's like, pans over these women, and Fritz is like, David Lynch loves floozies, which is another critique that David Lynch gets a lot is that he uses these women in these kind of like like flu like for lack of a better word floozy roles where like like very reminiscent of uh characters in season three which is I'm watching that in my own personal time so there's a lot of like weird parallels but like he just loves these like weird like uh server women like, like burlesque outfits or something yeah, like that. And like yeah, like burlesque outfits. Yeah. He de- generally like loves these types of characters. And I think that that is when you're critiquing David Lynch. Um, he uses women in a way that is, is sometimes doesn't come off very well, is what I'm trying to say. And I understand this is supposed to be like a brothel or whatever, but it's just like he tends to hinge on these things a lot. Yeah. And I, I would mention... That he, loves he, has, he has certain like kind of archetypes that he likes to go back to and that's a particularly unflattering one that shows up yes. a lot in 
his works in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they go to do some their light, you know, fun gambling. They're gonna play some blackjack, uh, and that's that. Uh, they're in the in the trenches now. Um, okay, get a, we're gonna. What's that? Get Maddie yes. here real quick. Um, it's a very brief scene where she's sneaking out of the Palmer house, uh, as far as she knows, uh, in secret, but a truly horrifying <laughs> glimpse of Leland sitting, staring in the dark in the living room, and then looking over and vaguely registering in his like smoldering demonic eyes that she's just left, and then turning back to further glower at the darkness. It's like it's so corny, but it's like it's so legitimately scary looking that it, it, it still kind of works. Especially since uh, the last few times we've seen Leland, he's been like a yeah, blubbering yeah, mess. Yeah. This, like, it's like this sudden shift in tone from him. It's just like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Oh, God. So now they're going to go and meet James. Yeah. So I think what we have next is Donna, Maddie, and James meeting up. And uh, we're we're really, really getting close to just you and I, like, spiritually yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I cannot wait to talk about that. Yeah. For, like, I'm going to devote a whole episode to just that song, I think. Oh, yeah. I just, earlier, I... I was just like I was super disappointed that just you and I is not this episode. Yeah, you you we're very close. We're so close. We're knocking on the there. door conceptually there. Yeah. We'll um, have Sarah call in for just specifically the just you and I. Yeah, that would be dope. <laughs> dialogue. Just like I'll, I'll get Sarah on the phone real We'll need to have like a super for just you and I episode where all the guest stars zoom back in. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think the important bit in this scene is that we see uh, Maddie get out and she's in her like ghost Laura outfit. So she's like wearing a wig that makes her look exactly like Laura because she's played by the same person. So now she does literally look exactly like her. And James is like, oh, and it furthers this Donna giving them the stink eye while still sort of playing along with this weird Scooby-Doo ghost trick thing that they're insistent on doing here. Uh, it's bad. It's all bad. I don't know, like, it's funny because I feel like with this show, nine times out of ten, I'm like, this is just so bad. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. It's like a terrible... I feel like most of this podcast is just shitting on weird decisions that were made in production and editing and stuff, and then, like, it's also, but yeah, it's my favorite television show. I don't know if Sarah wants to say anything about this very quick scene before we move to mm-hmm. Ben Uh, no. I mean, I think we've kind of covered it. I mean, again, yeah. like, the whole thing with, like, Maddie playing, like, the dark hair and the blonde hair, again, it's, like, another, it's just, like, another kind of, like, thing from Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is so interesting, and I did not I, know that. Yeah. It's so pumped that you're giving us this information and you know and it's just it's like i think we've said everything that needs to be said about it because it's just it's here's like, the thing though uh like okay so he, so lynch is like playing off a of vertigo right which is like a revered like sort of revered whatever uh 
movie, but we're like shitting all over it. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like. But if we would just have a vertical, we'd probably be like brilliant. Like, it's just like shittily stealing like, from people. Yeah, but like. At the time of Vertigo's release, it was really not seen as the masterpiece that it is, and it's just was sort of like, this is a crazy-ass plot, and there's no way that we could believe it. That's fair. There, there's another, and there's another element in the context of Twin Peaks specifically where I think it's very, like, because there's these, like, sort of light parody and satire elements, and it has, like, a whole sort of, like, it has a, the whole show has a sort of weird self-awareness about it where it's like, it's okay doing something cheesy sometimes because it's like, that's part of the point. So it's, it's hard to know how to judge some of these things when they happen. And it's like, oh, that's funny. That's weird. And it's like, is that how I'm supposed to be reacting to it? I don't know. Like, and uh, you know, there's that forever deep conversation of, well, what's yeah. supposed to be? Oh, absolutely. Which I don't want to have and I don't think anybody wants to have. But <laughs> uh, point being that I, it, does make it kind of strange to like sit here and be like oh everything that happens in the show is so stupid it's so corny it's so like why are they doing this and also i love it and i enjoy every second of it so <laughs> well not every second but most <laughs> of the second um we're gonna move to another yet another party at the uh with ben horn etc ben and jerry and the icelandic folks yeah now last episode we mentioned that David Lynch is often pairing Sherry with weird props like he had the three baguettes yes. the rack of lamb yes. or whatever he is holding a giant pine cone in the scene yes which solidifies to me that his entire reason for being in this show is to hold weird shit. And did you notice he actually winds up with a different prop by the end of the scene? No, I didn't <laughs> notice that. <laughs> he mostly has that pine cone. I mean, we'll get there. There's not much meat in the scene. It's basically just Jerry's continuing to uh, fraternize with the Icelandic folks and try to woo them to sign this deal. Uh, ben is like, can we just like stop with the, the, the drinking and the yelling and sign the paperwork? And Jerry's like, all right, this is we're good. We're really gonna do it today, man. We're, we got to you know where we gotta go. One eyed jacks. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, Everybody's like the, Iceland Every the Icelanders are. They want to do it at uh, um at one eyed jacks. And you know what? This ice cream needs more pecan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ice cream. <laughs> they're eating, which is funny because their names are Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry, yeah. I thought about that too. This gigantic ice cream pea. We say pecan in. And, and so Ben seemingly just out of let's get this done was like okay let's get in the van like let's let's, let's go. go let's do it and so Jerry exits the scene he's put down the pine cone he's picked up what appears to be like a pint of beer with like a flappy lid on the top of it oh yeah, <laughs> like, can't a really tell. yeah it's like a stein with one of those like like pop lids on the top of it he can never not be carrying some yeah. ridiculous maybe thing maybe that's like a thing like maybe that actor just has to like do something with his yeah. Like, at all, they're like, you gotta fucking stop doing that. We're just gonna start giving you shitty yeah. <laughs> And he's like, okay. <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, and Ben calls Josie, but Hank is with Josie too. I wrote, I wrote Josie and Dingus power couple in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I wrote, Ben calls Josie and 
Hank is there? What? So that's like the extent of the yeah. attention that I've given. That, that's all we. That's all we really know is that. Yeah. I mean, we we know that Josie and Hank had something going on since the whole bizarro Domino telephone call thing, and we know that um, you know her and Ben have some sort of triple cross dealing going on with the estate. Uh, and the mill. We don't know how those two things tie together, but we now know they probably do, given that Hank is there while they're exchanging information. I don't think we get anything else new out of that. Scene. No, I feel like it's very uh, like loose yeah. or whatever. Here's where I underestimate Blackie. Audrey is also at One Eye Jacks. Everyone is on the show is at One Eye Jacks. There. They're all there. <laughs> and she's giving Blackie this resume. And she's like, mm, Hester Prynne, huh? So I wrote, Blackie isn't very well read. Which is but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're wrong. And actually the next thing I write is, oops, wrong. Um, she has like a list of like former <laughs> like brothels she worked at or whatever. Um, and, and Blackie catches her by being like, oh, just like this dude still runs like this. And she's like, sure does. And she's like, that's the name of my dog, idiot. I read Scarlet Letter. And I'm like, ooh, I was wrong. I underestimated her, and that's on me. It, it's funny. I, I particularly like it because she throws a couple questions out, and Audrey just yes-ands all of the questions. And so that's how she's like, I know you're bullshitting me. <laughs> like, you're like, I know the one trick that you know, and you did it poorly. <laughs> um, let's see. Give me a reason... I shouldn't kick you out. Okay. okay. You guys talk about what she does here, and then I want to see if, if you guys have the same opinion on this as I do. It'd be, probably be better know. if I didn't talk about this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me with all of it. Um, I remember watching, when I was watching this for the first time, and, you know, I'm just like what and you know my 16 year old brain was just sort of like what is she even doing <laughs> right and she still kind of I'm still just like okay um I guess if you have like one thing that you can do well and it's like okay for your for what you want to do I guess it's all right but it's just kind of like it's just so Audrey is so weird and I'm just kind of like that I've just like noticed that watching the you know like watching it again and so it's like okay I can totally see you doing that. The thing she does is she takes a cherry and ties the stem with her tongue. Yes. Now I have never understood this as a thing that is like hot because to me it's like you can move your tongue in ways that doesn't necessarily need to tie a cherry stem. Like I understand this implication <laughs> of like, oh, it's hot. I love the way you're trying to talk around this. <laughs> no, oh, I'm I know the implication here is like I'm gonna be really good at blowing people because right. I can do fun stuff with my mouth. But to me, it's like those move. I can't 
Yeah, yeah, how do they relate? I, I don't know either. If it's like yeah, as a, a man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. If it's just a general demonstration of dexterity, maybe that makes sense. But like, I don't. Uh, I like is it hot just because it's like a ch- like it's, it, there's like sensual I, stuff about. I it. think it. I think it works for her character as like just the way she seems to get away with the stuff she does is just by presenting unflappable confidence, no matter how much she's outmatched, and. It's- I do get the sense of the madame, like, kind of responding to that element of it, maybe more than... Yeah, I mean, I get that, but I'm I'm saying specifically, tying a cherry stem with your tongue, to me, does not implicate anything sexual. Like, you can do things with your tongue without being able to do that. It's like a weird way. Like, she should just, I mean, I know she's not going to be like that, but... She could just be like, I give super good head. Like, <laughs> like, like, there has to be other ways to demonstrate it. She's like, just like, she's like, get out of here. You're bullshitting me. She That's that. what should have been on the resume. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to what I jack, Sister Prin. <laughs> right? It's like, like, there's other fruit you can demonstrate this stuff with it. What I'm ultimately getting at. It would be less likely to be in a cocktail, though. So oh, that's that. true. That's true. So this is all she needs to not be kicked out. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's, there's really not much else to say, but I personally have never understood this as like a Yeah, I don't thing. really get it either. As the target, as the target demo, I also don't really get it. So... If that, I really built it up at the time of like, oh my god, did you see what she sure. did? And it's just sort of like, okay, you know, all this time has gone by, and I kind of agree with you of like, it's really not that sexy. No, it's just weird to me. Yeah, but you know, it's like, she is weird. I kind of appreciate yeah. it as a cinematic visual. Like, I, there, there's only a couple of things they could have done in that scene that were interesting. Yeah. Like, if we take your example... That's not a very interesting scene, even if it's very funny. You know? <laughs> I'm world renowned. Um, I, I got reviews on Yelp. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so black, and it's just funny. Black, he's like, okay, you're hired then, which is just kind of like, <laughs> all right. Um, and then we kind of just then we move on. That's it for the one I jack stuff for now. Uh, I don't believe we go back at all. And then um, now we are moving on to Dr. Jacoby, who is drinking like the most refreshing looking tiki drink I've ever seen. I'm like, I want that. I would like to have that. I want to be able to sit in my weird Hawaii themed uh, basement or whatever it is and drink tropical drinks. Um, And so they end up calling uh, James and Donna and Maddie end up calling him from a payphone, which is just wild. And uh, Maddie does her best, Laura, like, hey, doctor, like that voice that I can't stand. Um, and Jacoby's like, holy shit, they're like, meet us here. Like, we dropped something off at your house. Uh, check it out. And it's a VHS tape. And Jacoby opens the door, and I just need to say that he has the an even goofier gun than Shelly yeah, has. Totally. The but that fits him, ever- to be honest. Like, <laughs> Shelly's, like, Penelope pit stop pistol, like, suits her pretty well. And <laughs> Jacoby having the most, like, is this literally a cap gun thing ever? <laughs> I, like- I think Aiden had the same thing. <laughs> he was, like, sick. How did I not know he had a gun? 
it's it's you almost can't even see it. It's like he opens it's, the door and it's like right, held really close to him. And it's like, like a oh, lower sort oh, of microscopic. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised you didn't notice it because, like, I mean, it's like at waist, you know, it's not, I noticed it because whatever, but it's a stupid looking gun. So, um, so they drop off this VHS tape and it's like Maddie holding the newspaper. <laughs> In the most like, like, like Blair Witch knockoff shitty looking footage ever. Like, you know, somehow, somehow this game. No, no, I, I know it's before, but like the vibe, off. the vibe is like they traveled into the future to rip that off and to bring rip it, it back. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's like, "What the fuck? Like, this is fucked up." Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, Bobby does a sneak. He, he does a sneak, <laughs> and he is spying spying on James, etc. Because as we can recall from, from earlier, he told Shelly not to worry about it. He's going to take care of Leah. He's going to take care of James. He's going to take care of everything. So he's spying on them who are spying on Jacob. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. So it, it, it also really calls into question, like, how sneaky are James and Donna being outside of Jacoby's weird apartment uh, that, like, you know, they've been tailed by another high schooler who has proven to be openly incompetent up to this point in the series. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, this is so silly. But then he's like, he notices Maddie dresses Laura and he's like kind of freaked out by it. Um, Jacoby, watch it. It cuts back to Jacoby watching this VHS tape and he does like the same shit that happened in like that first episode where they're like, in Laura's pupil, you can see a fucking enhanced, and you can see a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, where he's like, hmm, the corner of a gazebo. Right. And, and it's, it was so funny to me when that happened because I spent so much time complaining about this stupid gazebo James always puts to me in the prior episode. And it's like, of course, they shot this video at this gazebo he can, but he seems to live at, as far as I can tell. Funny because Sarah and I were talking earlier, and she was just like, "Oh, I mixed up six and seven because they both heavily featured the James and gazebos." But that's what <laughs> we need. Like, like, like all this truth on people about, like, yeah, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> my dad. I told you my dad was dead. I lied. He was a musician. <laughs> oh my god, gazebo! Like James's safe space. Like I guess. <laughs> In this gazebo, he, he's he, he must have been like, guys, I know exactly where we're gonna shoot the ghost video, and they're like, James, not the gazebo. He's like, it's at the gazebo, okay? <laughs> it's a perfect spot. Uh, I'm just like loving gazebo, <laughs> and it's like the the tiniest corner of the grass. Yeah, <laughs> and and Jacoby's like, I mean, sorry, gazebo. I gotta go, and like speeds off, and. <laughs> having speeds off and then James and Donna break in while Bobby watches so a lot's happening here and then Bobby plants coke in James's bike is that what that is? I believe I that's, that's what that is. Yeah that's what it is Okay because I wasn't clear if he was I don't know the first fucking thing about how motorcycles are set up so I wasn't clear if he was like sugaring the gas tank or if he was planting I, I drugs. I promise you that David Lynch also does not know how a motorcycle <laughs> works. So <laughs> uh, 
nor does he care. <laughs> uh, Have him putting something inside of the gas tank. <laughs> um, so that's Bobby's plan. I don't... Whatever, we'll see I, how that... I, I do love... You, you gotta love... It's just classic Bobby that... Uh, and I've been waiting the whole episode to talk about this because it's very funny to me, is that... Like, earlier in the episode, when Shelly's like, oh, God, I shot my abusive husband. He's going to kill me. He knows, probably knows about you. He's going to kill you. And Bobby's like, don't worry. I'm going to take care of Leo and also James. Because he still has this issue with James from, like, when that drug deal went bad and Laura's involvement and stuff. And so, like, his, his girlfriend's life is in danger from this, like, killer psychopath. And he's like, I'm going to handle him. And he's like, but what I'm really going to do... It's follow this James guy I don't like around so I can plant drugs in his motorcycle. (laughs) What's funny too is we've seen this before because remember there was that whole conversation with James and and with with Bobby and Shelly where he was like, if he ever does this to you again, like 14 more times, then I'm going to... It's like, just kill him. Just go for it. Like, what are you waiting for? Uh, but yeah, the, the sour grapes with James, because that, at this point, that's like a plot point I've forgotten about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I had to, like, sit and remember for a second, like, wait, why is he talking about James in the scene? And it still doesn't make sense he's talking about it to Shelly. It's like, he's like, yeah, and I'm also going to get that James guy. And she's like, I, I don't care. Leo's trying to kill me. He's like, I'm going to stick it to James. You'll see, <laughs> Shelly. Plant some drugs on James. Uh, if he had been following Leo around with the same amount of like aplomb, then that bird wouldn't be dead. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's you know he's gonna be on James's case. Yeah, yeah, no, James. The James, it's like he almost has to deal with these people in the order that they have wronged him. So he's like, okay, like the Leo stuff is more pertinent, but James and I got into it before that, so maybe like <laughs> I have to keep it. Yeah. No, this is one of these bits I feel okay being generous about because, first of all, Bobby's an idiot. And second of all, it's already like a proven character element of his that he says, I'm going to stand up to this tough guy. And then he can't do it. And like he's specifically done it with Leo before. So it makes perfect sense to me that he's like, I'm going to take care of Leo. And then he finds something easier to do. And he's like, psych. (laughs) I'll do (laughs) it later. Do that instead. Um... And then we just cut to someone is spying on Maddie. That is probably not Bobby, right? Like, it, like the the caption is just heavy breathing, like that meme with <laughs> oh. that fat cat. That <laughs> you see. So it's like, okay. So James, etc., are spying on Jacoby, and Bobby is spying on. <laughs> James, etc., and then this like unknown person is spying on Matt. Like no one has anything better to do in this town than go to One-Eyed Jacks or spy on other people. That's it. Like at this point, it would not be shocking to me if it were like Andy's. <laughs> like, there must like, not have been a concert at the Roadhouse, then. right? <laughs> so, and then that's how the episode ends. <laughs> so, thoughts, opinions, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> it's like. I hadn't seen this in a while, and so I was just, like, as I said earlier, I was sad because it didn't have the song. Yeah, we're getting to it. We'll have you call in. Don't worry. Just sort of like, okay, I have to deal with my disappointment, but there's so much else going on. I mean, it's just, yeah. 
I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Oh, you know, you've got the, they're just, it's so many like little moments, you know, with Big Ed and, you know, just these, or like give yourself a present. It's just. Yeah, yeah it, I think the, the biggest takeaway from this episode is the give yourself a gift every day speech. Well, it's like three sentences but um that is something that you see a lot of like people referencing a lot of people have there's memes about it and stuff which is like totally fine but a lot of quality ad content in this episode yes uh a a lot of we we didn't mention this but there's a good bit after they're in the casino and Coop is like very unsubtly talking into his wrist. <laughs> He's like Hawk, who's like who seems to be posted up in the van nearby or something, like, okay, I'm walking into the casino room. It's on the right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I love gambling. CIA money. I'm gonna cost you <laughs> and, and there's this like kind of very classic Coop and the less competent people around him bit where he's at the blackjack table and he's apparently cleaning up, um, and Ed comes over, and he's like, I already lost all the money you gave me, and so I'm afraid we're not going to make that back, like you said, and Cooper's like, oh, don't worry, we'll just subtract it from my winnings. <laughs> and then he goes, come play blackjack with me. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to play that. He's like, can you count to 10? He's like, yeah. He's like, you can play blackjack with me. <laughs> I really identify with that, though, because I am so bad at card games. Like, I don't understand. I never have the mental capacity to understand any of the rules. So, like, I would be like, no, I don't know. I, 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 mean, that. I mean, that makes sense, but for a guy who looked like he was a kid in a candy store getting to go gambling earlier, he sure, like, washed out pretty quickly there. <laughs> I love the idea of him, like, I had the, um, playing it safe and going to the slot machine. <laughs> Losing the CIA money broke. Left at the time. What are, what are, Gambling will have any further significance in the series. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the episode, and I believe the next episode is the season finale. So, we'll be getting to that. And, and then we'll be moving on to season two. <laughs> we'll well, be going from the second best season to the worst season. <laughs> right. So, um, I want to thank Sarah for joining us. Super Thank fun. you for having me. Yay. Any, literally anytime. Plug your um, stuff. Yeah, I, yes, plug your stuff right now. What? Plug <laughs> your stuff. <laughs> what? what a gotcha like, question, you've got Colin. Books. You've got books. Okay. Plug them. <laughs> oh, Where can they be oh, found? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's such a, I'm, idiot no um, it's no. fine where can we buy your books if we want to buy them? you can buy the book um the public the publisher is apap publications which is a p e p um i want to say it's apeppress.com yeah. or you i'm just- going to send a i'm going to post links to your so you can just say the publishers now okay post- yeah it's a yeah. it's like apep press and you know just google the name these poems are not what they seem and you can get it it's a fantastic group of people i'm really happy my poem was about sarah palmer and and, uh so yeah and it even has some illustrations that is a anthology an anthology that i am bummed that i wasn't ready to submit to some amazing people in it um and I could write about Twin Peaks all day, but 
the timing of it after just having a baby and stuff. I was just like, I, I can't. So I'm super glad that you uh, have something in it. We're going to plug that. You have other chapbooks. Pork Belly Press, you have a few, right? Yes, I've got, let's see, um, I've got three Pork Belly Press. Awesome. And again, that's online. Um, yeah, and I'll link, like I said. Okay. So uh, we're super pumped that you joined us today. Uh, as for Drunk Monkeys, you can find us at drunkmonkeys.us. You can find us on um, social media as Drunk Monkeys Web. You can find us on Twitter as TP Logcasting for this specific arm of um, Drunk Monkeys Bam. We just finished. Um, we just finished featuring all of our pop culture and anthology writers, uh, and we'll be coming back probably by the time this is up. Our May issue will be back. We're on a later schedule this year. Just things have happened, and we're pushed out a few weeks. So our newest uh, issue will be the 18th, I believe, of May. And, you know, it'll just be another cool-ass issue that we put out. But uh, I want to thank everybody for their support with the pop culture and the anthology because it was very well received. And every year, we, I feel like we get a little bit better at it. And it's our most favorite thing as staff. So uh, check us out to Submittable. We're open until the end of May for submission. Um, we would be remiss not to mention on the show that as of yesterday, Big Daddy Kyle McLaughlin mm, of yes. Agent Cooper fame just <laughs> re-socialed uh, our Colleen mm. for her uh, beautiful Red Room recreation in her Animal Crossing house. Yes, I just need the statue. That's like the only thing I'm waiting for is the statue and maybe like a better seat and my, aunt, my Twin Peaks bedroom will be complete on Animal Crossing and I did tag Kyle and he um, shared it on his Instagram story, and I feel like basically my life has no more meaning. Like that was all I was waiting. <laughs> oh, I could just drop dead. My children, who cares? <laughs> I want to you... die knowing that Kyle McLaughlin, for one brief moment, looked at my Instagram feed. So really pumped about that. That David Lynch would play Animal Crossing. I would be so psyched. <laughs> I bet, you know what's funny is David Lynch is so like bizarre about a lot of things that I bet he's like super into he'd it. Be, like, yeah, he'd I'd be love into it. it if somebody like gave it to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't see, I don't like see him seeking out for himself, but no. definitely if somebody gave it yeah. to him. And he definitely had like an island where like the upper left corner is just like painted black for no reason <laughs> on the ground. And it's like, what, what is this? <laughs> Weird. Um, if you actually look up Animal Crossing in Twin Peaks, People are doing really cool things. Like someone recreated the double R. Someone recreated like oh, I haven't seen the double R. I will, I'm gonna I'm gonna share these two because it has like the links, to Instagram and stuff. But um, so like the proper people can be credited. But I was looking through him sharing all of these pictures, and there are some like really rad stuff. So I was really impressed, and it's just kind of nice to see like Animal Crossing. I feel like has been very pertinent to people's. <laughs> Sanity during this weird time um, and it's just really cool to see like different fandoms being represented like I think you know like I see other red room themed bedrooms and I'm like I'm not like oh that was my idea like I'm like that's amazing yeah, yeah. it's so fun to see so I really appreciate uh, seeing the Twin Peaks themed stuff so I'm gonna link to some of them they're really really cool so I'm cognizant that we're approaching two hours here so oh, I want to <laughs> I want to throw it over to uh, 
uh, Matt to see if there's a producer's corner for this episode. Uh, there's, there's really not because as you say, <laughs> as a producer, I am cognizant of the fact that we are on two hours. Um, there is, I would like to thank Sarah for her Vertigo shout outs. And there's a very good article over on uh, bfi.org.uk, uh, the British Film Institute, of the links, not just between Vertigo and Twin Peaks, but really Lynch's entire career. Because, you know, he's often doubling female characters and, and using very bright and vivid colors and dream logic. Uh, and that's uh, present in Vertigo. Uh, so go check that out. And um, that's it. That's all I got. And thank you, Sarah, for, for coming on. Thanks. Thanks. Yay. Uh, yeah, super psyched. So we will... Sign off for now. I'm Colleen Carney Hefner. I'm Chris Pruitt. Matt Guerrero. Sarah Nichols. Sarah Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> and this was Lawcasting. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.